0: Thanks for joining us here at Newsong Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon.
1: So this Broken by Family, if you know anything about us here at Newsong, is there are so many. There are so many holidays and, and things that happen throughout the year. I know a lot of pastors, you know, specifically preach a Mother's Day message every Mother's Day, a Father's Day message every Father's Day. We don't necessarily do that here. We kind of. We kind of. Uh, really get series going and we kind of stick with series and we'll always honor moms and honor dads, but, but it's not necessarily we'll preach a sermon because we do just marriage uh, uh, series and we do family series kind of just all the time. We talk about it all the time. And yet today happens to be a day where we're talking about family and, and, and being broken by those wounded by those in your family that are supposed to be the ones to love you. And, and some, some of you have been broken uh, by, by the actions of your family members. And some of you have been broken or you've been wounded by the lack of action from family members. When they should have come to your rescue, they didn't. And, and I have some regrets in my life. In fact, my, I had to apologize to my own brother who's here in the room this morning. There was something that happened a long time ago that, that uh, my, my brother just, he, he, he was in need of help. And, and in my stupidity and my ignorance, and my hard heart, I, I I didn't help my own brother, and I, I came to um, I, I came to him later on and repented of that, and um, because because no doubt your family members have made mistakes, but can we just be honest that probably you have too? Because I have, I I've made mistakes, and I, I'm so grateful that that our family we've worked through all of those issues, and as far as I know, there's. Uh, that God has just brought extreme healing in, in our in our family. And if the Chambers family can go through things like that, how many know really anybody, any family can go through that, including yours? In fact, many of you have. This morning as I as I've ministered this word to the best of my ability, it, it's I, I pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to do what he's been doing all morning. I, I've had so many people even leaving Absolutely, they're leaving the in fact, it just happened a few minutes ago. Somebody was leaving the second service, and a woman came up to me just in tears, and she said, I haven't spoken with a family member for a number of years, and, and I just refuse to. And today, Pastor, I want you to know I was supernaturally healed, and I'm going to make that contact this very day. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make things right in my family. And I just, I just cried with her and, and hugged her and just said, well, done. you can do this. God's going to be with you, and... I just believe God's going to do some some miraculous things in the service, and and I want you to be open to the voice of the Holy Spirit and respond accordingly. And uh, especially if you've been wounded, if you've been brokenhearted, you capture God's attention. The Bible says that he doesn't ever he doesn't ever reject you; that he doesn't despise you when you when you're broken, when you're contrite, that when you're lowly in spirit. The Bible says. And so as I was praying about this, broken by family, like, God, I, I know your heart. I know what you want me to teach about, but, but what, what story, what person in the Bible do you want to use? Because as I study the word of God, there are loads of people throughout the entirety of scripture who have been wounded by family members. Like tons, let me say it this way, there are loads of dysfunctional families in the Bible. Did you know that? So if you thought yours is the only one, trust me, you're sitting next to another dysfunctional family. How many know that some people just put the fun in dysfunction, right? Have you ever heard that before? And some of you are, are extremely a fun-loving family, but that doesn't mean you're functional, you know? And um, and it might surprise you who we're going to study today, Who who... who most likely was wounded by family members, and and it's probably gonna completely surprise you who it is. That person is Jesus, Jesus himself. In fact, write this down, letter A. Jesus experienced wounds from family members. And a lot of you are like, whoa, where do you see that in the scripture? Well, actually it's multiple times through the scriptures, and we're gonna start here in Matthew chapter 13. And before we do, as we, as we kind of, um, let, let me just encourage you with something here, everybody. And, and this is just, this is just this, this, what I believe to be the spirit of the Lord happening in this room right now. There, there are certain people that you're in this room and you've already, and I did not say this the first couple of services, but I just feel this, this spirit led right now. I believe there's, there might be a few people in this room that you've already mentally checked out because you don't want to forgive. and that, that's, how, that's how much bitterness is in, in your life. And you're already telling yourself, but they don't deserve it. And I don't want to hear this. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because you're not meant to live life like that. And I promise you, that is not the abundant life that Jesus promised you. The life you're ruining is not theirs. It's your own. And I want you to pray, okay, God, soften my heart so I can receive this word. And I pray that you do. So we look in Matthew chapter 13, starting verse 54. Coming to his hometown, this is Jesus. He began teaching the people, in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Now, in in a second, you're going to see that they're offended. But in this moment, they're amazed. Where did this man get his wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James and Joseph, Simon and Judas? Aren't all of his sisters sisters? With us, So apparently Jesus had a lot of siblings. He had a very big family. Where then did this man get all of these things? And they took offense at him. So they started with amazement that turned into offense. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town. And a lot of a lot of people, a lot of pastors, when they're preaching uh, this statement of Jesus that's actually found, we, we see this in more places than just this, they'll just stop kind of right there and say, you know what, a, a prophet is never honored in his own town. But Jesus goes a little bit further, and he says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. So he goes f- he goes past just the town not honoring him. He actually goes to the very people that know me best are the ones that withhold honor from me. That's huge. So Jesus is seeing the obvious. Now there's more verses than that. We're going to look at the book of John, chapter 7, starting at verse 2. It says, When the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brother said to him, And this is very sarcastically spoken. Leave Galilee and go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the works that you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret, after all. I I mean, come on. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. So his own family is actually... do Do you see that these statements are just dripping with sarcasm and ridiculed towards Jesus, they're they're actually kind of mocking, think about this, they're actually mocking the very son of God, who they think is just their brother, making fun of him. You know, can I say this? I've said it before, that God, that, that a spiritual gift in your life, I promise you there's no spiritual gift as the gift of sarcasm. And and many people find it so easy to be sarcastic. And did you know that that's not a spiritual gift? And sarcasm, I just think it needs to be out of our lives in general. I don't think it's something that we need to to use. And, and I know I know the difference between jokes. But I'm just telling. If you live a life and you're just sarcastic all the time, can I tell you God wants to do a work in you? Can I just say that? And without you getting offended, or even if you do, I'm going to say it anyway. I don't care. So, so. They're they're mocking Jesus, they're being sarcastic here, and they're like, well, you want to be famous, and hey, you've got disciples, I mean, we don't, because who are we? We're just nobodies, but you're Jesus. Of course you have disciples. Verse 5, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. So his own family members didn't believe in him. Watch what Jesus says. Therefore Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. Why? You're not listening to God. I am, but you're not. And he goes even further. He says, "Hey guys, hey bros, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You know what he's saying? Hey hey hey, hey, bros? <laughs> the world can't hate you. Because you look like the world. The world can't hate you because you're acting like the world. The world can't hate you because you reflect the world. You are resembling the world, but it hates me because I'm a reflection of my father. You know what he's telling him? You're not a reflection of my father. You're actually a reflection of the enemy. Oh. How would you like Jesus to say that about you? (laughs) That'd be a bad day, right? Wouldn't that be a bad day? And yet in in this moment, I don't think it, they think it's a bad day. They don't realize what's actually happening here because they haven't yet put their faith in the Lordship of Jesus. It goes even further, everybody. There's even more. That we see in scripture, Mark chapter three, verse 20 says, then Jesus entered a house and again, a crowd gathered. So he and his disciples were not even able to eat like there, there was so much chaos. They couldn't, they couldn't eat. And when his family had heard about this, and that's his literal family, they went to take charge of him for they said, this guy's out of his mind. In today's vernacular, yo bro, you're crazy. We got to get you out of there. Hey, 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 pay no attention to Jesus. He's been like this his whole life. He's just nuts. And they try to take charge of him. And what we don't, what I didn't put here in scripture, but we read it in scripture, is Jesus knows that his family's there. In fact, they come up and tell him, hey, your brothers and sisters are asking for you, your family, they're asking for you. Like, you should probably go to them. And he looks at him, he says, who, who are my brothers and my sisters? Who, who's my family? In fact, he looks in the room and he says, here's my brother and here's my sister. In fact, the ones that believe in me, the, one who know that I, the ones who know I'm Messiah, that I'm Savior, this is my family. And I want to show you something that's so important for you to know. I want you to write this down. Jesus did not try to control his family, nor was he controlled by them. And this is huge. For those of you in this room, if you have family members that have wounded you and you have been broken by your family, I want to to tell you something. From the life of Christ, we see this. That he did not try to control his family. but he also did not let them control him. And when you embrace bitterness, when you embrace the wounds that you have received from family members, what you're doing, as we talked about two weeks ago, is you're allowing your family to be in control of your joy. You're allowing them to be in control of your peace because you don't have any. You're not, giving up, you're not giving up the bitterness that's in your life or the unforgiveness or the anger. You choose to hold it because of the wounds they put on you. You've chosen to hold it, and what you're doing is actually giving them control over your life. That is not the abundant life that Jesus called you to. It's just not. And so Jesus wasn't controlled by them. He had this incredible way of taking those statements and just saying, hey, here's the real truth. Here's here's what I know to be true. This is my brother. He believes in me. This is my sister. She believes in me. Some of you have been wounded, and you're trying to manipulate that person to apologize. You're trying to manipulate that person to to make things right, and you're you're telling yourself these things to say, well, it'll be right once they, and and, and as soon as this happens, then listen, what you're doing is you're trying to manipulate the situation control the situation, and Jesus knew in his heart, hey, I don't have to control them, and I will not be controlled by them. I'm going to live the life that I know I'm supposed to live. I'm going to do the things that I know I've been called to do. And I'm not going to let that get in my way. And some of you have let the wounds of your life get in the way of living life. Living the life that God wants you to live. And today it's time for that to be broken in your life. Today's a day, I believe, if you're ready for it, today's going to be a day of healing for you as God does the supernatural in your life. Well, pastor, I, I I don't know what to do. How am I supposed to handle them? Because, Pastor, it's real. They really said this. They really did this. Or when I needed them most, they didn't do this. They didn't respond. They didn't rescue. What am I supposed to do with that? Let me show you what the Bible says. The Bible says that there's been a weapon that's been formed against you. And yet we, we see in Isaiah 54, verse 17, it says that no weapon formed against us is it, it, it's not meant to prosper. In fact, I spoke that over the children this morning. Did you hear that in my blessing? Like I declare over the children that no weapon formed against them will prosper. That's from Isaiah fifty four seventeen. And And, and the, the seed and the root of bitterness and unforgiveness and anger in your life that the devil wants to plant there, that is a weapon that has been formed against you. And you need to know that that weapon can be disarmed. In fact, we're gonna disarm it this morning through the power of God and the power of a Spirit. It's gonna be disarmed in your life if you, if you want it to be. Freedom is there if you want it. The first thing you gotta do, you have to refuse to let the seed of bitterness take root in your life. You have to reject it, you have to refuse it. This is what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up, and when that bitter root grows up, it does two things. It causes trouble, and it defiles many. So as I was studying this, it, it came to my, it just, it, I just got this picture of what happens when you've been wounded, when you experience brokenness from a family member, that the enemy forms a weapon against you, and, it, and that weapon is in the form of a seed and he places the seed inside of your heart because he wants that seed of bitterness to take root. And once that bitterness take root, takes root, it's actually going to produce a harvest. It's going to produce fruit, but it will produce fruit of trouble, the Bible says, and it will, defi- it will defile many. And when you, lived your li- when you live your life absorbed in the bitterness, what you're doing is you're allowing the bitterness to grow and produce fruit that other people start taking and you're not only destroying your life, but then you start destroying the lives of others. How do I know this to be true? Because I've seen it. Over 25 years 25 plus years of full-time ministry, I have seen over and over again, sometimes there is a family member who's been wounded, they are embittered, and they're angry, and they they dwell in the land of unforgiveness, and all of a sudden, their children become embittered, and their children become angry, and then sometimes we even see it down to the next generation, their grandchildren become embittered, their grandchildren become angry, because, everybody, that bitterness grows in a produces a harvest but it's not a harvest that you want it produces fruit in your life but it's not the fruit that you want and 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 it ends up that other family member is in fact other friends innocent people start taking of the fruit that you've produced in your life that's why the bible says hey dads don't provoke your children to wrath Like, don't be so angry that you hand that down to the next generation. Don't do that. So you have to refuse to let the seed of bitterness take root in your life. Because it will produce fruit. But it's not fruit you want. I want you to think of it like this, everybody, that all of us, all of us, in, in, in our heart, it, it's fertile soil, and what gets planted there produces a harvest. The Bible says if we take the word of the Lord and we allow it to be planted inside of us, the Bible says it produces a harvest 30, 60, or 100-fold. How many know that's going to be a good harvest if it's the word of God? But if Satan comes in and he plants a seed of bitterness, and that bitterness takes root and produces a harvest, it's going to be bad. So my question is, how long are you going to let the bitterness grow inside of your life? Or are you going to take that seed of bitterness, allow the Holy Spirit to rip that out of your life, out of your heart, and just say, no, thank you. I don't want that. And I have chosen to do that. In fact, everybody, I, I have been, I've been wounded multiple times dozens of times over the course of my life dozens of times and and I'm so glad that by the grace of God sometimes it took a while sometimes it didn't happen right away I wish it did looking back now but I'm getting better at it all the time that when I get wounded from from anyone that I that I'm able to take that seed of bitterness and say no thank you And I allow the grace of God and the spirit of God to pull that out of my life because I don't want it taking root. And I certainly don't want to produce a harvest of bitterness. So I ask the Lord just to remove that from me, meaning I refuse to allow that to be planted in my life instead everybody you're not meant to have the seed of bitterness planted in your heart you're meant to have the seed of joy planted in your heart the seed of peace planted in your heart the seed of comfort all the good and perfect things that God has for you are meant to be planted inside of you the word of God and that's going to produce a harvest 30 60 and 100 fold well I want those good things to be produced in me don't you well of course you do you know I'm preaching better than you're amening I'm just just want to throw that out there Because a lot of you, a lot of you have, you've allowed, you've allowed that seed to grow and you you know who you are. You've allowed it to grow and some of you know that it's taken root and some of you have, some of you are sitting here today, said, pastor, it's not just taken root. It's actually produced fruit. It's actually been passed on to others and I don't like that. And I don't like that about me. And I'm not living the life that I want to live because I've allowed it to grow. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, that it says as far, if it's possible at all, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. Yeah, If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know how you refuse to let the seed of bitterness grow in your life? This is is how I do it. That when I'm wounded and the devil tries to form a weapon against me, I disarm it by refusing to allow it to grow and giving it to God. So now I make a choice. I'm going to, as far as it depends on me, I'm going to live at peace with everybody. So I don't, I don't care what you, you do to me. I don't care what you've said to me. I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to serve you anyway. I'm going to care for you anyway. I'm going to act as if you never did anything to me. Why? Because the one who's been forgiven much is called to forgive much. The one who's been shown this excessive amount of mercy is the one who should show an excessive amount of mercy. And I don't know about you, but I've sinned against God far more than I wanted to. And I've been shown far more mercy than I deserve. I didn't deserve any of it. And yet, God did it. He forgave me. Who am I not to forgive? When Jesus was hanging on the cross, the same people that welcomed him into Jerusalem are the same same ones who were yelling crucifying and hurling insults at him. And and what did he do as he's hanging on the cross? Father, forgive them. He offered forgiveness in the moment. He said, I'm not going to let this turn into bitterness. In fact, I'm going to turn this and I'm going to speak a blessing over them. I'm going to speak your words over them and your will over their life. I'm going I'm, I'm to not turn this into something it shouldn't be. But I'm going to live out the will, Father, that you have for me. And I'm going to live a life of forgiveness. Think about this, everybody. This is, this, I'm, I'm just going to give you a practical application here, and I live this out. I'm, I'm being serious with you. I live this out far more than I want to, that I've just learned throughout the course of life. And I point people to this as I counsel people who deal with unforgiveness. I almost always take them to Colossians, the book of Colossians, because the Bible says that he took our sins and he canceled the debt that was against us. Like, like Jesus, you know this if you're a Christian, that Jesus paid the penalty of our sins, correct? Like it was our sins that were placed upon him, and as he died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sins, that whoever would trust in his work on the cross and his resurrection, that we would receive forgiveness, And we wouldn't have to die, that we would have eternal life in in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I get an amen on that, everybody? So as our sins were put upon Jesus, the Bible says that while he was on this cross, our sins, all the records of our wrongs, they, they were placed on him, placed on the cross, and they were canceled. That the debt that day was canceled because that's what forgiveness is. It is a cancellation of the debt. So if you owe a credit card company something, and they say we cancel the debt, it means you don't owe us anymore. But I I owed you $10,000. Yeah, but we canceled the debt. (gasps) And all of a sudden, that should make you extremely grateful. And that's why we worship Jesus, by the way. Can I tell you, we need a spirit of worship and praise to rise in this building like never before. Why? Because Jesus is worthy of it. He's canceled our debts. Well, I feel like I could preach today. I'm just telling you, I could preach today. So those people who wound you, you have to live a life in which you cancel the debt. You, you live the life in saying, you don't owe me Anything, I cancel the debt. You don't have to apologize. I still forgive you. You don't have to pay me back. I still forgive you. I have canceled the debt, and I'm going to love you as if you've never done anything to me before. I'm going to love you, even though you've hurt me. And I'm not going to expect anything in return, because as far as it depends on me, I'm choosing to live at peace with everybody, including you, the one who's hurt me worst. Including the one who's wounded you the worst. You cancel the debt. See, some of you are waiting for the apology. Well, I'll forgive them as soon as... No. That's not forgiveness. Let me say this. Forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is a choice. And eventually, your emotions can align with that choice, but make no mistake, forgiveness is a choice. I choose to forgive you. I choose to live a life in which I expect nothing from you, and I'm going to love you as if you never hurt me. Well, Pastor, I don't, know, I don't know if I can do that. With God, nothing is impossible. And it's proof, it's proof that you need his strength in your life, that you need his power in your life. It's proof that you need the spirit of God in your life like never before. And so you start praying prayers like, God, strengthen me to do this. And you start praying for that person who's wounded you. You start speaking a blessing over them because you're choosing to forgive. The Bible says that we bless our enemies. We bless those who curse us. We bless those who wound us. Well, pastor, you haven't lived out what I lived through. Maybe not. Maybe I have. I just know that if I don't forgive, I am not reflecting Christ, and I'm allowing them to control my life and steal my joy and steal my peace, and I refuse to allow them to control me. I choose the life that Jesus Christ purchased for me on the cross, and it is life and life to the full and continuing to stay broken, continuing to embrace the wound instead of embracing the healing will keep you from the life that God has for you. Second thing. Well, Pastor, it's impossible. A cure is impossible. A cure may seem impossible, but healing isn't. A cure may seem impossible, but healing isn't. You know, I was reminded... There's been a lot of people that have, that have come up to us and said, pastor, we got to pray. I, I just got this diagnosis and there's no cure for it. And, and they are not, they are not just alive and well, but they have been completely healed by the power of God. How many know that God can heal even when there's not a cure? He can do that. Nothing's impossible with God. And some of you are looking at your situation and saying, well, pastor, I just don't see a cure. I haven't talked to this person for a long time, or the person that wounded me isn't even alive anymore. How can I settle it between me and them? They're not even alive. A cure is impossible, but healing isn't. You can still be healed in the name of Jesus and by the power of Jesus. Look what, look what Isaiah 57, 15 says, For this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy. He says, I live in a high and holy place, like you view me as living up here. But also, I live with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Let let me tell you how Chuck Swindoll says it. He says, He says, a a teardrop on earth summons the kingdom of heaven. That a teardrop on earth, when you you present yourself as broken to the Lord, when you come before him and you're just just broken, you're just wounded, that when, when you do that, He sees it, and in fact, it captures his heart. It captures the attention of God. So in your woundedness, when you you come to God in your woundedness, and you present it to the Lord, I'm telling you, it is captivating to God. He is captivated by your brokenness. Why? Because he wants to restore you. He wants to revive you. The problem is, many people hold on to their wounds instead of embracing the healing that Jesus wants to bring us. The the problem is, a lot of people will, will acknowledge their wounds, they'll acknowledge their broken heart, but they won't surrender it to God. They just want to hold on, they want to get even, they want the anger. Well, I deserve it though, I deserve to be mad. You probably do, but you're only hurting yourself. But pastor, they deserve to be punished, they may. But correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm not. You deserve to be punished for your sin, but God has forgiven us as far as the east is from the west so far he has removed our sins from us. How many can praise God for that? that he doesn't hold our sins against us and we're not meant to hold the sins of others against them. We're to be Christ-like. Refuse to let that seed of bitterness grow in your heart and refuse to think that it's impossible because healing certainly isn't. And the last one, have faith that God will turn brokenness into blessing. This is one of the greatest Scriptures, um, I, I just love the scripture. If you if you know, think about Jesus' life in his divinity. He knew exactly who he was. He was ministering in the world and going about in towns and villages and teaching. He knew that he was the Son of God. But in his humanity, I think he felt the attacks of his of his brothers and sisters who called him crazy. who who were sarcastic and rude. No doubt in his humanity, he knew what it was like to be wounded. And yet he trusted his heavenly father to deal with him in the right way. Let me me say this way, everybody. You're not the Holy Spirit. And and some of you have have spent your days trying to convince your families to manipulate your family members, to, to manipulate those who've wounded you in order to, to get a right response, in order for healing to take place, and you're like, well, if I say this, maybe they'll own up to it. Well, if I say it this way, well, if, if, I, if I send so-and-so, and you try to manipulate the circumstances to get them to apologize, or to get them to pay you back, or to get them to make it right, and can I tell you something? You're not the Holy Spirit. I don't have the power to convict anybody of their sin. I don't have that power. But God does. And one of the most beautiful things that happened in Scripture, we read in the book of Acts that these believers were gathered in the upper room. Remember this? And and Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost comes, and the Holy Spirit, God pours the Holy Spirit upon those who were in this place. They were all gathered in unity, and they were praying, and they were worshiping, and the Holy Spirit descends upon them, and their lives were forever changed. Did you you know who was in that group? Let's look at Acts chapter one, verse 14, a beautiful scripture. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. At some point in their life, they came to their senses and said, oh Jesus, we were wrong. (gasps) Forgive me, brother, and forgive me, Savior, because I was wrong about you. And the Holy Spirit did something in their lives in which they too surrendered their life to Christ. And the Holy Spirit came down. And what was broken turned into a blessing. The Holy Spirit was poured into their lives. And I want to tell you something, that that God wants to take the brokenness that you've gone through and turn it into a blessing. But you got to let the Holy Spirit do what he does best. Don't try to control, don't try to manipulate, you leave that to God. Refuse to allow the seed of bitterness to take root. Refuse it, refuse it. As far as it depends upon you, you, if it's possible, live at peace with everybody. You got to cancel the debt. Live your life thinking they don't owe me anything. They don't owe me anything. Can I tell you? There are still times where the devil comes back to me and he reminds me of what people owe me. Oh, remember though, remember when they did this? They owe you. No, no, I refuse that. I refuse that. See, see what you allow the Holy Spirit to be pulled out of your life today, the devil will try to replant it again. You can't let him do that. You just tell him, no, 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 devil. I now have the seed of joy inside of me. I have the seed of peace. I have the seed of contentment. I have the seed of comfort, and, and those things are growing in my life, and they will produce a harvest. I refuse bitterness in my life. I refuse it. In Jesus' name, I'm free, and then, you, and then you live like it. You live like it. The devil, he's sure sneaky, isn't he? He's reminded me of the failures. He's reminded me of my failures over and over and over again, but he's also reminded me of the failures of others over and over again. And I've learned I don't embrace bitterness. I reject it in the name of Jesus. Because I want to live the abundant life that Jesus Christ purchased for me. And I can honestly stand here before you today and say, I hold no bitterness in my life, no unforgiveness in my life. God has pulled those things out of my life as I have presented them to him. God, here you go. And he says, thank you. I'll take that. And he sets me free. And he wants to do that for you today too. He'll turn your brokenness into a blessing. Would you stand up with me this morning? The first thing I want to just bring up, and we do this, we, we do this. There's very rarely a week that goes by that I don't give people the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as Lord. At some point, we don't know when, but at some point the the actual brothers of Jesus Christ came to their senses and said you know what, our brother who we just thought was a brother he's actually the son of God and they placed their trust in him and many believe that some of the siblings of Jesus were actually martyrs like they, they believed it so full that they gave their life for it And I wonder, is there anybody in this room that you've come to your senses today? And I mean that in a good way, that you come to this place, you're like, you know what? I I realize I'm a sinner in need of of a Savior and Jesus is the Savior. And I'm gonna invite him into my life. I'm gonna trust him today as Savior. Could we just bow our heads just for a moment? And today I'm gonna do something very unique. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. Normally we do that, but today I'm just going to pray a prayer. You can can accept Christ. You can trust Christ as Savior without raising your hand or even coming forward. You can do it right where you are because it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of faith. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And if it's you today, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in your birth. I believe in your life. I believe in your death on the cross. I believe in your resurrection. I believe that you're the Savior of the world, the only Savior of the world. And I also know that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I want to come to you today. In fact, I do. I come to you today asking you to forgive me of all of my sins to cancel the debt that I owe be my Lord today I'm trusting you Jesus as Savior and I proclaim in the deepest part of me Jesus You are Lord. And I confess my need for you. And now I thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for cleansing me from all unrighteousness. I thank you that... Your word says that whoever comes to you, you would in no way cast out. You would in no way drive them off. That, that if we ask for forgiveness, you always say yes. If we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I thank you now that I am cleansed. I'm saved by grace through faith. I'm not saved because of my goodness, Jesus. I'm saved because of your goodness. And I say thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me, and I receive it now in Jesus' name. With your head still down, for everybody else in this room, and from what I've seen this morning, it's going to be a lot of you. You've been wounded by family, and you realize that the devil has formed a weapon against you that needs to be disarmed. He's trying to plant the seed of bitterness in your heart. And maybe it's even grown, maybe it's turned into the root of bitterness, or maybe it started to produce crops, it's produced fruit, and it's, it's not good, it's causing trouble. And it's defiling others. Wherever you are in that, if you want to be healed today if you want that seed of bitterness to be removed from your life and in its place receive joy and peace and love that comes from God the Father and the Holy Spirit, could you just raise your hand and hold it really high? I just want to, I want to pray for you today and speak a blessing over your life. God, there's so many people. I want to ask you to keep your hands raised. Would you do that as I just pray for you? Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for this community of faith. I'm so grateful for these people that I love so dearly, and I know you love so dearly, that have just been honest. And they're they're presenting their hearts to you, Father. That's what we're doing. We're presenting our broken hearts to you. The devil has formed weapons against us. He's planted the seed of bitterness in our life. And today we refuse it. In fact, Father, we ask that you would rip it out of our lives, roots and all. Rip it out of our lives. Father, what we have done, if, if it grew to the point of producing fruit that was causing trouble or defiling others, Father, I pray... That everybody who's been affected by the bitterness in our life, every family member, every friend who's been affected by our anger or our unforgiveness, Father, that you would heal them too. That you would restore them. And you would do the supernatural in their life. But as for me, as for us, we're choosing this day. We will not live a life of unforgiveness we will not live a life that, that, that feeds the seed, that waters the seed of bitterness and allows it to grow. In fact, today, we thank you that it has been ripped out of our lives, and now we have received joy and peace and love that comes from you, and we take those things by faith. And when the devil tries to remind us of those who have sinned against us and who have wounded us... Father, show it to us very quickly. Reveal it very quickly, what the devil is trying to do, so that those moments can be, that those weapons will be disarmed too. So Father, we repent of the bitterness that we've harbored in our lives, that we used to embrace, we present our hearts to you, we present our lives to you, asking you to wash us clean and to plant in us everything. That's good and perfect, and we receive it now. Now, new song. I bless you with healing in the name of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Spirit of God. I bless you with hearts of forgiveness. I bless you with hearts that are soft, that are tender hearted. I bless you with hearts that love, hearts that serve, hearts that care, hearts that, that give. New song, I, I declare that this weapon formed against you to be disarmed this day in the name of Jesus and by his power. It is now lifeless. It is void of any power in your life. New song, you are free. In the name and by the power of Jesus, according to his will and his word, you are healed and free in Jesus' name. And receive it now, I pray, just in your own way. Lord, I receive it now. I receive my healing now. My heart is made whole. And I'm healed. In Jesus' name. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for reminding me to show mercy the way that I've received mercy. Thank you for calling me and reminding me to live a life of forgiveness the way that I've been forgiven. That's the life I choose. The abundant life that you promised me thank you for healing me in Jesus name. Now with nobody moving around, everybody can look up here. I want to say a couple things. New song, you've been set free. The Bible says that when we repent of those things that we're responsible for, that we are free. That he forgives us, cleanses us And you've made the choice today. You might have carried bitterness in your life or anger or unforgiveness, but you've confessed that to the Lord today. You're free. Let me say it this way. You have been supernaturally healed. Now live like it. Now think like it. And act like it. And every time the devil tries to remind you to get back or to control or to manipulate or to expect an apology or expect a payback, every time the devil reminds you of what someone has done for you, you remind the devil that you have been forgiven of much and you will forgive much. And that is not the life that you're going to live. You are going to live a life free from bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. You just take it by faith. You take it by faith today, but I promise you in this moment, you're healed. Now think like it and act like it and live like it because it's yours in Christ Jesus. Do you receive the word of the Lord today? If you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, as Savior today, I want you to go to guest services. We have a book called Fresh Start that we want to give you and it'll just help you build your life on a strong foundation. Of course, we'll just ask for either phone number or email so we can just follow through and make sure that you're on the right track and we want to be there for you as you begin this new life in Christ Jesus. I want you to know, new song, I'm so proud of you for for embracing the word of God the way that you do. I love you more than you know. I pray for you every day. You have stolen my heart. I love you so very, very much. And to all the moms here in this room, have a happy and blessed Mother's Day. You certainly deserve it. God bless you guys. Have a great day. I'll see you next Sunday morning.
0: As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life. And we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ.
1: We hope you tune in next week.